Well, we are on week four or five. I can't even remember. Four, five? I think last service I said three or four, so now I don't know. <laughs> but in our journey through the Gospel of John, and just to give you a quick, a quick recap of the last few weeks, um, we've been talking about how oftentimes when we engage Scripture, it can be with the mind and hope that it trickles down with the heart. And and it's good to study Scripture. It's good to ask questions. Obviously, we really believe in asking the Lord questions. And it's good. But information alone is not enough. We have to engage that information. And so we began that journey a few weeks ago. And we talked about some key words that we see in the first several verses of the the, uh, of chapter 1 in, in the Gospel of John, and Mark started off and he talked about the Word. You know that, yes? The Word was with God. The Word was God. So we see this, and the Word was made flesh, we see later on. And then we went through the words, uh, light, He is the light. And then last week, a witness and testimony. These are words that John uses intentionally, and they're all relational words. They're not words solely to give information about, but to engage you into what you're learning about Jesus. And so this morning, we are going to talk about a phrase that often gets lost. It is something we would say is important. We may not know why it's important. It signifies something about Jesus. I'm not going to tell you what the phrase is just yet, but I want to tell you a story first. I was born in Seattle, Washington in, in 1982. And in 1988, in 1988, we moved from Seattle to San Diego, California. My dad's a pastor, and so he got a call to San Diego. And living in Seattle, it was rainy. I remember it rainy. I only remember, I only remember one sunny day. And I knew we had access to the harbor or the ocean, but I don't remember it. I know I've probably been there. I don't remember it. The first time I remember ever seeing the ocean, the Pacific Ocean especially, was in 1988. I was told about it. I was told what it looked like. I was told what it smells like. I, I knew what you could do in the ocean. I knew there were creatures in the ocean. I knew a lot of stuff about the ocean. It was part of the anticipation of going, was being told of all the cool things in this new place. So I had a lot of information. And I was excited. I mean, I was amped up. I could not wait. Couldn't wait. And when we got there, and I stood in front of this magnificent, powerful, awe-inspiring creation, this ocean, that information was inadequate. It did not do anything to communicate to me well enough what I was experiencing in that moment. The sand underneath my feet, the smell of the air and the salt, the the seagulls chirping, and at that time it was a nice sound. By the time I left, I couldn't wait to never hear it again. <laughs> the colors. You can't, my mind couldn't fathom the reality of the vibrant blues and greens. I, the, the real thing destroyed what my imagination could come up with. Even when I saw a picture of it, it couldn't do anything to compare 
with what I was experiencing. And I haven't even gotten in the water yet. And the sun and how it glistens. And the rocks, everything, the whole context was awe-inspiring. And then you get in the water and it's cold. But you don't care. You're in the ocean. The waves, the power of the current. And how you can see the bottom for about 10 feet and then it's dark and you freak out. But yet there's this peacefulness in the midst of this fear that feels like healthy fear. And then participating with it. It was something I will never forget. It is ingrained in my mind. And I spent almost my, my entire childhood uh, every day after school at the beach. Our church was three blocks from the beach. I would be there. Why? Because it was awe-inspiring and I was addicted. What I knew about it didn't compare what I experienced. Now, why is that important? I don't know. I just want to tell you a cool story with a dramatic, <laughs> through a dramatic telling. No. It has a, a purpose. And I'll tell you in just a second. So keep that picture in your mind. How many of you experienced something that awe-inspiring to you? Where the reality of it completely destroyed what you knew about it? Well, we're in John chapter 1, and, and we're going to pick up in verse 29 here and go through 36. And John the Baptist is on the scene, and he's talking, he is baptizing and talking about the one who's to come after him, and that he's been... Uh, answering questions about whether or not he's the Messiah. He says, no, I'm not the Messiah. The one, the one that's to come, you'll know because I baptize with water. He's going to baptize in the Spirit. And the Lord gives John, uh, John the Baptist, uh, a confirmation piece so that John knows who the Messiah is. And it is explained that the Spirit will come like a dove and rest on him and stay on the Messiah. So we're going to pick up where this reality hits and what we just talked about, that, that sense of aweness and that, uh, that ocean experience. I want you to keep that in your mind here for a second. In verse 29, it says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, now this is our phrase we're going to operate in this morning, Look! And the real word is Behold! The Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said what? Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, 
Why is this phrase so important? Well, to the naked eye, you go, yeah, that sounds good. Sounds holy, doesn't it? And we can say, well, it's an introduction to who Jesus is. It's, an identif- it's how we identify him, how John's identifying him. Those are true things. But remember, there's a relational component here that will rock our world, I believe, because it rocked mine. John the Baptist is saying, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, let's first look at the phrase, the Lamb of God. Now, many uh, scholars will say this, and, and I think a lot of this is true, that the Lamb of God title connects back to the Passover and connects to the sacrifices until, uh, until Jesus. And I believe that is very true. But it's not enough to just know that. Well, great, the Lamb of God. He's the last sacrifice. So John is saying the Lamb of God. Here's the Lamb of God. The last sacrifice for salvation. He's the last act needed for salvation, the last sacrifice. But here is where the relational component wrecks me. It is the lamb, it is the lamb of God, meaning God's sacrifice for us. Where up until then, it was only our sacrifice of that lamb. That can go... The lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, him sacrificing what John, who John identified as what? The son of God, God's son being sacrificed so that there could be forgiveness of sin, so death would be collapsed, gone away with, and that we would have communion with the Father always. So when John is saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. He's not just saying, hey, this is the Messiah. Is that true? Absolutely. But it carries greater relational weight than just a title or a theological title or something they've been waiting for. It's something they didn't know they were waiting for. And John keeps repeating it. Now, John, the author of the Gospel of John, uses very specific words to describe specific things that connect us relationally. Every word I believe in scripture is meant to draw us in deeper to the presence of God. It's meant to draw us into greater relationship with him. So this lamb of God sets the stage of who he is and what he's about. But how often do we miss what's right in front of us? Probably too much more than we'd like or care to admit. So when we see this phrase, the Lamb of God, let's take a minute to breathe in the weight of that. This is God's sacrifice, not ours. And up till then, it's been about our sacrifices offered to him. So John is pointing. Now, let's get to the word that I feel is almost more important than that phrase. Now, I say that because it unlocks everything about that phrase. Behold. Now, John uses this word 19 times, this specific observational word, 19 times in this gospel. 
And when you look up a few verses when it says, I testify, or I have seen, and I testify that this is the Son of God, that word seen is not as the same as this word behold. They're different. And he says this, behold is about experiencing that which you see. John isn't saying, look, there's Sharon. Look, there's an indoor plant in the corner of the room. Just look at it. It's the greatest plant in the world. Well, great. Now I know that. But John doesn't want us to just know that this is the Lamb of God. He wants us to experience. So he uses a word that ties in experiencing and engaging that which we see and that which we notice. The ocean, when I was standing there, it was not what it was until I was there. And then when I participated with it, whoa! Different story. It wasn't meant there for me to just look at and know it was there, but to interact with. So often, we can misunderstand what we're to do with the Word, and and it's important that we are missionaries to the world in the sense that we carry the gospel, the light, the word, uh, the witness, the testimony within us. It's important to do those things, but not at the expense of losing the relationship. Because out of that relationship and what we're experiencing and that which we are to behold, that's where all those things come out of. Truly. And so he makes it very, very simple. I mean, he says, behold, here he is, right in front of you. There he is. And guess what? Jesus received everyone. He went towards people. So we know that he is meant to be experienced. And we know that we, we don't behave our way into belonging because he went to people no one wanted to belong with. But he went there. Why? Because he's meant to be engaged. Little children were drawn to him. And the adults are keeping him away. He said, don't do that. I am here to be engaged so that you can be transformed. I will be God's sacrifice so that you can be with me always. If that's not relational, I don't know what is. So when we hear, behold, the Lamb of God... No, it's not just the title. It's a reality that we are invited into. It's an invitation. The behold is an invitation, not just to stop and look at it. It's literally an invitation to experience and engage. Jesus doesn't want us to just know about him. It's not enough. Look, I spent a long time in my life knowing a lot of things about him. But it wasn't until engaged, I engaged what I know that my life was transformed. Don't know about you. Info, information alone never transformed me. The Holy Spirit behind that information that led me into deep relationship and surrender to Jesus, that transformed me. John is not proclaiming more information. He's not just giving an ID to Jesus. It's more than that. It's an invitation into knowing him. This summer, I had this 
fun experience that I didn't know was going to be that fun because it was a family thing and all my kids were coming. <laughs> so you know it'll be good for them, bad for you. <laughs> or that's what you think. And then parents, you ever go through that, well, that, that optimistic little monologue you have to have, well, maybe they'll surprise us. And maybe they'll listen like they've never listened before. And maybe where we're going won't distract them to the point they get lost and I can't find them. That's what I was hoping for. And we took the family to this place called, many of you probably heard it, Fonderosa, somewhere in the border of Wisconsin. And it's this great place where you can experience wildlife up close and you can touch a deer and, and uh, you know, goats. And, well, they come and grab you. And then birds and all kinds of stuff. And then they have like a little zoo enclosure where you can see other animals you probably don't want to touch. Um, you know, like mountain lions and bobcats and that kind of stuff. And I'm an animal geek. I, I wanted to be a zoologist or a marine biologist before I accepted the call to ministry. So I'm in heaven. And then you throw my kids in there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be fun. And I remember um, the kids looking at these animals and wanting to touch them. And I remember Emmett being a little, my, my middle son, was well, my only son, but he's my middle child. And he was a little skittish to touch, you know, some of these animals. And so we did the whole ring and, and we were seeing all these beautiful animals and it was just so nice. And for the most part, the kids were behaving and, and then you don't want to admit they're behaving because in your mind you think you'll jinx it, you know, that kind of stuff, even though there's no such thing as that. And then you go through that thing. <laughs> so you just stay in the moment, you know. And then we went around to the last 50 yards that you want to be a sprint so you can go because you're tired now and your parent tank is down to here. And we hit this pin, and I remember going, where's Emmett? And I, I'm going like this, and you have that split second of panic. You know, you know your rational mind, he's probably okay, couldn't have gone too far, and, but you still panic. And I turn around, and this is what I see. Drink that in for a minute. It was hard for me not to weep when I saw this. The Lamb of God invites us in and so gentle and tender Yet the mighty power of the waves obey him. And the mighty power of the wind obeys him. And with that kind of authority and that kind of awe and that kind of power, that's what he wants from us. And he sends the Lamb of God, his sacrifice, so that can happen. It was funny, I asked Emmett, you know, <laughs> Did you name him? He goes, yeah, he's little buddy. Something like that. And that, that little lamb followed him all over the place, and he followed him. And I was just reminded that in the midst of all this cosmic creation, power, authority, unanswered questions because of the vastness of how an uncreated God is so big, that that kind of God 
that could make something that I would stand in front of and fear and enjoy and see the power of this ocean and colors and creation, that that kind of God wants that from you and me. And he says, guess what? When I die and I raise again and you come follow me, that's what you get for eternity. Do you see space between my son and that lamb? No. They're touching. There's contact. There's a being with. It's beautiful. How many long for that on a daily, consistent basis? Guess what? Jesus offers it. It's hard, which is why he keeps it simple. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. (laughs) John gets it right. Behold. The Lamb of God who is so great and so powerful and so omnipotent, so almighty, but is love himself that he would send his one and only son as his sacrifice so we could have that. (sighs) I'm going to say it again. Genesis to Revelation all about relationship with Jesus. It's all about that goal. It doesn't mean we don't study it. It doesn't mean we don't ask hard questions. It doesn't mean we're not gonna struggle. But when scripture talks about the prize we receive in heaven, it's him, it's Jesus. It's not what you get, it's who you get. And we have him now. We have interference. We have an enemy who wants to rob and steal and destroy and get us out of kingdom positioning just a little bit so we miss. And we can say, oh, it was just by that much, but we miss. This is who we get. Not literally that little sheep, but you know my point. So as we close, I'd like you to close your eyes or whatever you do to relax. Relax. In a seated position. <laughs> you know, some, some need to pray with their eyes open. I'm one of those, but I want to bless you with something simple. And it's not to be goofy or weird or anything like that. It's just for you to hear and imagine, because I believe it's true. We don't tra- transform ourselves, God does. So we have to remember that, which is why. We can't behave our way into his acceptance. His grace accepts us because we're his. And in knowing that, in knowing that, I want to bless you with this. I I feel the Lord has been saying this to me. I want to extend it to you, and I want you to, to picture this in your mind as best you can. Picture him saying to you, today, just you and me. Today, just you and me. It's not selfish. It's what he wants. He wants you. And in doing so, 
We'll go where he goes. We'll love the people we're called to love. We'll do a variety of wonderful, adventurous things with Jesus, but it starts here. Today, you and me. That's where it starts. So all of those other things can happen the way they're meant to, to get more people to that place. Us and Him. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that when it gets complicated, when it gets hard, when circumstances tell us hope has been extinguished, that we would be reminded that it's all about you and us, that you would help us pause and go to that place where you want no space between us and you. So I pray that you would remove any, anything, any false notions of who you are, any way that we have created you in our own image. Would you break down those, those constructs in Jesus' name and that we would see the simplicity of you saying, come to me. And knowing that you also run to us. I'm thankful and grateful, Jesus, that it's not about what we can do, but who we are in you and your great love for us. May we continue to take each day as it comes and ask you, what do you want to say? We love you. We're so grateful that you love us. In Jesus' name.
And all I did was worship And all I did was bow down And all I did was stay still side. 